Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember that this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. Today, I'm beginning a series about gender. When I was growing up, many people saw gender as either male or female. There were sometimes people who were referred to as transsexual, who felt that they were born with the wrong body and chose to undergo surgery to change to their ideal gender. One of my first flirtations, a boy called Kenny, confided in me when we were both 16 that he really felt female inside and he wanted to change sex. He went for some physical tests and he came back and told me that although he had male genitalia, he also had a uterus inside. Kenny went on to have a sex change operation. He was the first person I ever met who questioned the gender he was assigned at birth. The understanding of gender has changed dramatically since that time. Current research highlights gender as a spectrum and recognizes gender fluidity as well as transgender and transsexual. I'm going to dive into this issue in depth over the next few weeks. Joining me today to start the discussion is Melvin Marsh. Melvin is a certified hypnotherapist specializing in medical hypnosis, phobias, and anxiety with additional interest in helping LGBT patients. Not only is he one of the few hypnotherapists who specialize in providing LGBT culturally competent care, he is one of the even fewer who is trans himself. As a transsexual himself, he has faced more than his fair share of troubles, but still continues to educate others on issues related to the transgender community, even at risk of his own personal safety. He was an invited guest for three years at Emory University School of Medicine to teach the first year medical students about how to work with transgender patients. Unfortunately, this did not carry over to his own medical school where he was harassed often for being transsexual and was forced to drop out due to the near constant harassment. He socially transitioned in 2002 and medically transitioned a few years after that. Welcome to the show, Melvin. Thanks for having me. So um, I'm going to start by assuming that not everybody who's listening understands the current terminology. So can you start with the difference between calling somebody transgender and talking about somebody as being transsexual? Well, generally, uh, there are the, the, trans, the word transgender is a much more broad concept. You can certainly be transgender and uh, not be transsexual. You know, uh, any, in this you know, in this culture at this time, it's perfectly acceptable, for example, for a woman to go off and play sports. Well, most places in this culture. You know, 
ten, uh, you know, if we're looking back a hundred years ago, that would have been very socially, you know, very very bad, and so that would have been a much more transgender behavior. Now, you know, it's not that women, of course, couldn't always do sports, but it's not something that was considered proper for for them. You know, gender is is very much a cultural, you know, concept anyway, uh, but. You know, that's you know still something that we need to consider. There are uh, some places where men can wear skirts. For example, Scott, you know, in Scotland. Um, okay, I go. Okay, okay, they're kilts, but no, seriously, they're 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 they're, they're basically dresses. Um, you know, but and that's and it's fine. It's completely you know acceptable for that. If somebody um, in most other places or a lot of the more Western places did that, they'd be kind of looked at a little bit oddly unless they knew the, 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 they knew the person was Scottish. So transgender, I mean, so transsexual is when somebody actually physically does change from they male. They're distressed enough to change or really, really want to change. It's it goes beyond this whole, um, oh, I'm going to go play sports or, oh, I'm right. going to um, the trans, you know, there there are non-op transsexuals, no no hormone transsexuals, uh, although the vast majority of people who identify as transsexual transition in some way. Right. They get their get surgery, or they just do the hormones, or they just might, you know, live full time as the opposite sex, or even part time as the opposite sex. So Whereas that's some, enough. Some people who identify as transgender will not will not do any of those things. The majority of people who identify as transgender won't do any of those things. Okay. So a lot of people, a lot of, I, I don't know the proportion of people listening, but certainly a lot of people that I've worked with over the years and a lot of people I've come into contact with um, haven't met or spoken to many female to male transsexuals. Although that's not true for me. I've met actually quite a few um, over the years. Is there a kind of difference in community, do you think? Um, well, a lot of the female to male, it's, it's much easier for us to transition and basically disappear. I mean, that's, that's part one. Part two, um, some of the research, which granted is probably a few years old, so who knows how accurate it is, some of the, you know, it's showing that we're the rarer type as far as actually going through surgery or whatnot. You know, a lot of women don't, you know, people who are born female, you know, and you know, don't necessarily need to identify as, as male or anything, because now it's completely socially acceptable for them to present transgender, transgender quote, air quotes, behavior and it not being an issue. Also, the fact is, is that we're not nearly as entertaining as the uh, male, male to females, um, and we get pushed down a lot by the other male to females, not letting us actually actually speak. Um, partially that they claim that it's a male that we're exerting our male privilege by discussing our own issues. Why? Why, why is? Why do you say you're not nearly as entertaining? What does what What does that mean? What does What does that mean? Um, the vast majority of female to males are completely boring. You cannot tell. That they were that they have an alternative um, history. I mean, I personally am probably very very entertaining, 
but you know, yeah, I yeah, I'm not I'm not obviously trans. I don't have the you know stereo you know some of the stereotypical stuff that most people think of, of trans people as doing, because most people are thinking of the male to females. They're thinking, oh, the people are going out doing drags, you know, performing. There are drag kings. There are, but. Well, a lot of them. I wonder about that, though. I wonder if some of that is isn't so much thinking about drag, but that it's probably easier for a female to male to pass as their new gender than it is for a male to female because of the the, the kinds of changes that might need to be made physically. Well, that was something I, I mentioned earlier about you know, how, it, how it's easier for us to basically blend in. Um, but there are a lot of us that still want to get out there and to talk. Not everybody does. Um, but if you can go stealth, you can go stealth. I know a lot of, of, male to, of male to females who can very easily go, you know, go stealth. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all a question of how good, your, your, how good is, you know, your genetics and how good is your surgeon? Right. And how much money do you actually have to, to, to spend on anything? You know, I haven't had every, every surgery out there done. Um, I don't need to. Right. And if, and if you're going the other direction, it, you may, in fact, need significantly more surgery in order to... Um, it's, to pass, possibly. However, uh, they actually have much cheaper surgeries than, say, I do. Um, you know, they might just only have to really deal with one major surgery because, you know, their boobs are already going to grow on their horm on, on their hormones. On the hormones, yeah. And, but their bottom surgery, that it's easier to make a hole than a pole, as they say. Yes. I mean, I would I would imagine that, that creating a vagina is a more complex problem than creating a penis. Now, creating a, a vagina is very easy, complete, complete. That's what I mean. Sorry, I got it. Yeah, creating a vagina, it's got to be an easier, it's got to be a much easier process than creating a penis. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it, their cost is about the, the, the last time I saw their costs, and I also inquired from friends, their, their cost is about the size of a, uh, a basically a, a car. That's about how much mm -hmm. it's going to cost them to, to deal with it. Now, my, my top surgery alone, if you looked at the bill, cost $20,000. Get the next part done would have been forty to sixty, based on the hospital bill. To get the actual, you know, neo neophallus uh, would cost anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. All told, total bill. That's, that, no, it, so it's basically, you know, say uh, twenty for the top, an additional forty to sixty for the for the hysterectomy, and then an additional one hundred and fifty to two hundred for the the, the rest of the bottom surgery. Wow. Wow. So nobody can afford to transition. Um, they don't, nobody actually wants, you know, wants to put the effort in and the information and the um, bottom surgery is kind of questionable anyway. I'd rather spend the, let's see, how much was, is that? About roughly $300,000, let's say. I'd rather take that money and put it towards my student loans, um, you know, for the education that I can't use because I'm transgender and thus can't get a job. So. You know, I'd rather put it towards towards paying that off than paying for any additional transition work. So, I'm a, I'm assuming that I mean you you know I live in the United Kingdom and so the 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 health um, 
health service here is different and people do in fact get a variety of things paid for through the national health it's not easy but they do and you're in the US where when you're talking about what you need to pay for it's because you're going to be paying out of pocket i'm assuming that no insurances necessarily cover this there are a few insurances that are in group plans that the uh, employer made arrangements to have partial coverage. Right. Most are not going to have anything. I pay for almost everything out of pocket um, with the exception of I can go to my OBGYN who is an endocrinologist and he can write my testosterone prescription. Right. But OBGYN part gets covered so I don't have a copay because it's an OBGYN and I'm right. having to be forces legally female on there so I can see him. Right. Yeah. So it's I mean so I think you know I think I think when we start talking about the cost of this the financial cost of this um, it differs depending on where you are in the world. Um, but the psychological but the psychological issues that are involved in somebody not being able to afford to become who they feel they already are are huge. This is true. And the therapists are also not a, not covered by the insurance most of the time either. Really? If they yeah, but it depends you have to you have to basically have the your you have to be have a cool enough therapist who will uh, state that you have a different problem and not acknowledge gender dysphoria or else your insurance won't pay for it. Why won't insurance uh, that, I mean, this is kind of off the, the topic, but it would be interesting for me to research why, why insurance companies don't like to pay for gender dysphoria. I mean, it, it's, it's a diagnosable psychological condition. So I don't care. Don't understand the problem. They don't care. And as a psychological condition for a very long time, most insurances weren't paying for mental health in the first place. Yeah, no, I know that. I know that. It hasn't worked. No, I'm aware that a lot of insurances pay for very little um, mental health coverage these days. Um, it's gotten worse and worse over the years. So I'm aware of that. And if, it, if we're talking about it as in terms of the fact that they're just not paying for mental health coverage, that's one thing. If we're talking about the fact that gender dysphoria is eliminated, that's something very different. Well, it states on on a lot of insurance things, it actually states that stuff relating to sex change stuff is specifically excluded. A lot of it's considered experimental, you know, despite the fact that we've been doing this for it's, you know, everyone says 50 years, which is malarkey. We've been doing this for almost a hundred or possibly more. You know, there was a, 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 a female to male uh, trans person who transitioned, who was a doctor like a hundred years ago. And he did a lot of great stuff. Somebody would have to Google because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, you know, but we, they, we're still considered experimental. Nobody wants to encourage this type of thing. So um, I mean, that, that leads us nicely into to the discrimination. And I think it's important to talk about that at this point. Um, it hasn't gotten any easier. It got, it got a little bit easier for a while in America. And then you had a big backlash, big, big backlash. Uh, it never got that much easier. The only extent of easier it got is, is it became slightly easier to change your passport. Actually, it's not even change your passport. Get a new passport, assuming you never had one. If you already had one, it was still just as bad. 
Right. Um, so what are the kinds of things that, what are the kinds of discriminations that you face? Uh, discrimination in housing. I've been kicked out of lots of places for being trans, despite the fact I hadn't even socially transitioned at the time. Uh, I had my child taken away because I live in the South and I had, was investigated by Department of, of, of um, Family Services, whatever, Child Protective Services, basically. Um, to have, so I have a history of that. I've been discriminated in education. The, you know, my experience with um, first trying to apply to get into medical school as an out transgender person who wanted to work with um, the LGBT community, uh, that, you know, trying to get in was a pain in the butt. Getting in, the harassment continued. Uh, I get basically uh, nearly beaten up on an almost regular basis if people find out, which is why my safety is, you know, I, I've got to be really careful about my safety. I will do everything possible to not leave this house, um, which luckily this is also where I do, do my work now, uh, at, because it can be dangerous. I also frequently do uh, bring a friend uh, for certain other things, because if they think that I'm even gay, much less the trans thing, um, I, I've been, I will be targeted. When I was purchasing a house, I, I mean, they were, people were giving me crap for the, for that amongst other things. I had to bring a friend to half my the house showing. Why? I mean, this is going to sound like a kind of a somewhat ridiculous question, but I know that there are other areas of the country because I know where you are and we're not going to talk about that where it is. Um, I, I know there are other areas in the country that are friendlier to people. Not nearly as much as you'd think. I mean, I've been, I've had crap in San Francisco, which is supposed to be the most friendly place in the history of, you know, the place. But there's uh, a difference between having crap and, and having constant crap, right? Uh, no, I had constant crap when, when I was down there for a week. I had near constant crap in San Francisco. Hmm. I have a friend who was in that area who nearly died because of discrimination in medical care and was right near San Francisco in I think in that I think in that county or one county over. So she was in California. She nearly died because of discrimination. This was only a few years ago. I mean, there are lo the loads of places in California where 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 the, I, it's easy for me to see that you could die because of discrimination. But there are places where you won't. And I guess I, I guess for me it's you are making a choice to be where you are. That's different. No better when I was in California right. or was in South Florida, which is where I got a lot of abuse. South of South Florida used to be a very liberal place. Uh, in as, in comparison to the most of the United States, South Florida is still a liberal place. Mm -hmm. I got abused for years, almost daily down there. Um, if if I basically hide, you know hide in my in my house or whatnot, it wasn't that bad. Yet I've been up in the North Georgia mountains and not been given that much crap at all, mostly because nobody thought that I could be trans because they didn't have that experience of knowing what a transgender person acted like, looked like, or whatnot. So what what do you think it's important for um, the community as a whole, the LGBTQQIAA plus because I know we've got even more letters now, as a whole, to be thinking about when it comes to transgender issues? Well, you have to remember that in the general LGBT community, 
it's mostly the LGB community plus the TIGA gets tacked on. Um, it, I'm not sure if you remember some of the stuff that was going uh, back with ENDA. Yeah, but as a, I, I have to put my hand up as a B and say it's actually the Bs don't experience themselves as being seen either. So, uh, and yet most of the Bs I know just are are there and they get they get incorporated. The transgender people are getting abused by the LGB community too. So that's not even any any you know much better. Even on our own area where it's supposed to be very very friendly, we get ignored. You know. We, we, you know, we have we're the we're the redheaded illegitimate stepchild of the community. At least the bisexuals, when especially if they're with a, a, a woman, or you know, for for the ladies, um, at no, least then they're considered part. But that's part of it. No, if they're with a same-sex partner, they still trust me. You still catch you still catch hell. You still catch yeah. hell because people want to know. People make assumptions based on the partner you're with. People make assumptions based on the partner I'm I'm with. Of course, People make assumptions based on um, what parts I do do or do not have. Um, I'm not sure when the last time that you got asked how you like to have sex, although that's the nice way of putting it, by people who who think that your sexual organs are any of their business, which happens on a very regular basis to most transgender people. Ask what's your birth name. Um, why did you transition? As though it's any of your birth. Are you going to have surgery? Have you already had surgery? What does your What does your penis look like? That's from the That's from both the straight community and, to a lesser extent, other gay and LGBT people. So I so I know that a lot a lot of that that kind of intrusiveness um, isn't well meant. But I also know that quite a few people who don't really have any sense of how it's appropriate to ask the question really want to understand how things are different for you and not be intrusive. Well, they could be very nice and say, can I ask you a personal question? Mm -hmm. Not, you know, you know, you know, not, um, how do you like to insert profanity here? You can use the profanity exactly in public. We do swear on this show. Okay. We can't swear. Oh yeah. It's serious. Okay, good. I have been asked more times than imagine. Than you know, see, I was, I was, I was being courteous. I've been asked more times than I can account. How do you like to fuck? If I had thought, I had thought logically at the time, I would have said preferably with another person. But you know, that that is a regular question. I have more. I get more questions about about things that are none of your business. And I mean, this so is not like. So we People need are basically to trying to be offensive and then are you know if I'm trying to be very very straightforward and actually trying to educate that doesn't help. So I'm so I'm I'm highlighting the fact that the people who are asking you this question are not people who want to fuck you. These are people who are curious about how These things work. These are people that don't either don't have a concept of of uh, what is appropriate behavior to ask in public or what I mean I've got friends too who have asked me Ask me the same questions. Can you not do it in front of a, a class of you know fifty people? Mm -hmm. um, especially when I'm not in that role. If I am in a role as an educator, um, I have less of a problem with you saying. Well, yeah. If you're in a role as an educator, I would hope that you would take it that they're 
they're trying to understand how things are different for you. It might not be the, the best way to ask the question, but they're trying to understand that. But if you're not in a role as an educator, then it's just intrusive. Now, I've had people literally come up to me off the street, inform me that they could tell I was trans, and then decide to insult me or ask me really personal questions. I don't, if I don't know you, that's none of your business. Uh, what I do, um, you know, what my husband thinks of the matter, um, what I was like when I got married, you know, and some things just don't become none, nobody's business but, but mine. But people think that because somebody is, you know, a transgender person uh, and that all they do is see us on stuff like Oprah and Ricky Lake and Jerry, you know, and Jerry Springer or whatever else, what else is whatever else is going on right now, that we're all like that and have no problems, you know, basically being your talk show entertainment for the day. Um, it gets very, very old very, very quickly, especially if it's if you're in a situation where you're in a dangerous spot. Uh, I don't really, you know, having the entire world know I'm trans, I don't really care if people know I'm trans because if I'm out as being trans, then I get the flack more than some people that might be trying to be stealth. It, you know, then people come to me instead of and might detract from that uh, trans person that might not be a public figure, and it might save their lives. Mm -hmm. That's why I do this. I'm actually saving other people's lives to to do this, and I I have gotten notifications that I actually did. Because thank God that I was that something I had said caught attention, or I was a little bit more obvious, because it distracted from from the the person who was terrified, or may have been very early stage, and was very very uncertain. What's your experience been with positive reactions to your status? Um, my rabbis were awesome. Once I finally found a rabbi that actually didn't care. Um, yeah, I uh, converted to Judaism. Some didn't didn't like that uh, trans uh, issue. We've we you know you and I have had that dis a little bit of that discussion before, but you know when I finally found uh, a rabbi who who didn't care, you know that the, the the synagogue has been very great. It's been a non-issue. My um, bar mitzvah, you know this my my you know davar was about being trans. Mm -hmm. Um, which was appropriate given the situation. You know that's been great, and you know so so people who actually you know don't care about that it's it's you know I can actually live a normal life. My um, hypnotherapy school has been remarkably cool with it. Um, I you know I, it's not that weak to have that much of a discussion about you know. No, but no, but you know, if other people are making an issue of it, the fact that somebody else isn't. Yeah, any type noticeable. of situation where it, where nobody's not nobody's making an issue is awesome. It's positive. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really want to to be that trans guy all the time because I I have so many other parts of my personality, my identity. The trans thing is actually probably the least amount of identity out there for me. You know, I identify much more of a, as a Jew, as an educator, as a student. I identify as all those things. The trans thing is, yeah, it happens to be part of my past. But, you know, I identify also as a parent. I mean, usually most people will find out when I, that I'm trans when I discuss the fact I have a kid. 
and people are very confused and people say so which one of you is the real is the real parent to your daughter um, well both of us are first of all the real parents to our daughter um, you know we're both genetically the, the real parents we both raised the child so that's about as real as you're gonna get you got all things going you know but uh, people ask that too how old, how old is your daughter my daughter is 14 Right. I've seen her exactly two times since she was two, maybe three times since she was seven because of the, the state of Georgia and my family. Uh, my daughter just turned four, would have basically just turned 14 about a, about a month ago. Okay. And I gave birth to the kid at home because um, I actually couldn't be seen in a hospital because I was transgender and they didn't want to deal with a you know, pregnant woman who. Um, was kind of butch and they, and already had a medical phobia because she'd been she had been treated so poorly. Yeah, and I, I mean that's another issue in that um, parenthood. You know, there's I think there's still not complete acceptance of of gay parenting, um, and so you're adding another layer when you add trans. Although in some ways it should be less of an issue because. Because often you'll end up with genetic material from both parents. So there isn't a third party involved. Whereas when gay folks decide to parent, you're often ending up with genetic material from at least one outside person, which can make things far more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and so in theory, it should be an easier situation. But it seems to arouse... Um, fear in people and, and, and that makes things even harder. Well, it, it doesn't help that when a female to male becomes pregnant, a lot of us look male. So that really scares people. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of, of the huge backlash that occurred when the um, when Thomas Beatty was pregnant. The no. entire trans community just blew up and all the states locked down and made it 10 times worse for us to to train to change anything no i mean i remember i remember seeing you know the, the pregnant man stuff right mm -hmm. but that's all i remember about that um in the community there was a huge backlash what was uh, that what was huge. that about well partially it was that uh, the publicity that surrounded the situation uh caused the states to have a backlash. There have been there have been pregnant female to male transsexuals going back decades, so that's not even a a, a problem really. Um, you know, but the the amount of publicity that brought came, that brought to a, to us as this big publicity this big freak show. Oh, the first pregnant man. First of all, you're not the first one, you know, at all, and that caused so much backlash. All the states. Just change their stuff. I already can't get my. I can't even get my name changed in, in on uh, one of my uh, my birth certificate. Thank thank you, Thomas. Um, uh, you know the some of the other changes that were made. More detailed information that I had to have to submit to get stuff changed. My driver's license is still in female in this state. And before, you know, I could have easily gotten things switched after top surgery. Not now, not so much. Luckily, the luckily 
the passport got changed thanks to some of the rules that Obama uh, put in. I quickly got that changed before things started to, to unwind. But that's that and my conversion to Judaism things, the only thing that actually has like my name and correct sex on it. I mean, it's, 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 it's sad to me. Um, it's sad to me that it became made such a big issue. It's, um, it's sad that it's had so much backlash as a result as well, because it was unnecessary. Um, I have one friend, female to male transsexual, four children, like all of them are adults. So I can tell you, this has been going on a while. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have still have the uterus and the vagina and choose to carry their own child and give birth to their own child. And I know of at least one person who did that before having bottom surgery. So it's like, I want to give birth to a baby first, and then I will go ahead and have the surgery that creates the penis. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. And, um, you know, that was, I don't know, quite some time ago. It got to be nigh on 25 years ago. It was not a big deal. Yeah. But that blow up really affected everything. Hmm. It hasn't been the same since. I find that sad. Yeah, um, yeah. And also that the LGB community basically also had a bigger backlash because they're like, you guys aren't taking your stuff seriously because of one person. Well, I think I think um, one of the things that I have a problem with 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 all of this is the idea that um, you have to be a one particular way in order to fit in a category that you know people are as individual as fingerprints. So the the thought that gender wouldn't also be is surprising to me at this point. Like I said at the beginning of the show, when I was growing up, that we didn't talk about transgender, we talked about transsexual. And like Kenny, who later became Lisa, many of the people that were transitioning were people who there were who were actually born intersex or born hermaphroditic. And so there was an incorrect gender assignment at birth, or it wouldn't have been possible to make a gender assignment at birth. And as far as most of us knew, that was it, right? When I started my bachelor's degree training, people weren't talking about the fact that people could feel, have a gender dysphoria that didn't also have a physical mismatch to it. And that evolved over the time I was in training. People talked about it more. I, I'm not saying it didn't exist. I'm sure it did. It just wasn't discussed. And of course, now it's completely different. Now we recognize that there are people who don't identify as any gender. There are those who are gender fluid. There are those who will identify and say, I'm not even going to call it gender fluid because it doesn't work for me. I'm non-binary. You can't fit me into one of those two categories. So it's a completely it's a completely new world. And yet what you're saying is is that 
people still find it, even within this community, very difficult to allow individuals to have their own experience of their gender and identify themselves in a congruent way. That's pretty accurate. Uh, well, first I want to make a comment about the, 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 um, the intersex stuff. A lot of people still make you go through genetic training to see, uh, testing to see. Oh, I'm sure. I know, I know that that's the case. If, if you're applying uh, for surgery, uh, even now they re strongly recommend it because possibly if yeah. there, if somebody screwed up as you a, a child, you possibly can get part of it covered. Yes. Possibly. They screwed up. Yeah. But, uh, they're doing it for, they, they like doing it for everybody. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Just like they always, uh, um, I'm sure that they still require quite a bit of um, uh, psychological and psychiatric assessment prior to agreeing to do surgery. That that varies because they're supposed to, because people are supposed to follow the WPATH standards of care. A lot of people are not. I've heard of a trans person who went to their the, who had um, who who wants to do, do informed consent. This person is probably not qualified to do informed consent, but the doctors are letting them do it. Uh, but for the surgery, they're still making they're having to go through through therapy, and they've had to pick a sketchy psychologist. Um, you know, actually, my psycho my psychologist uh, that I see right now works with that one. Actually, is his uh, her, is her boss, and um, I had to go to a sketchy psychologist who did not understand what was going on and just basically said, "Here, can you can you write write a fake letter for me?" And the psychologist is doing it, and you know, this person's not prepared to transition, did not do any screening. Uh, I'm trying to help make it a little bit better on them because I've gone through psych training. Um, I've done therapy. I've done more than my fair share of therapy. I used to be a counselor to the to the LGBT um, community in Atlanta for a number of years. Uh, and uh, she basically just wants to just not care and do what she what, what she wants to do. I mean, I and think, you know, dangerous. I think this is something that be, I mean, it, it is of interest to me in as much as I have treated people who have transitioned and then transitioned back. I wasn't treating them for anything to do with gender. But when I, when I first trained and when I first started working with people, I didn't think that that was possible, right? I didn't consider the possibility. I thought that the reason that people did screening and did therapy was to try and prevent somebody transitioning and coming to the other side and then saying, wow, I was wrong. And the, the two people that I treated had in fact had significant, they were um, male to female, they had significant surgery. So going back was not an easy proposition. We're not, you know, we're not talking like they were living like a woman and then, and taking some hormones and then they went, oh, this isn't for me. And they stopped. We're talking about um, orchidectomy already, and in one case, the penis had been removed, and they had started vaginal reconstruction, vaginal construction, and then this unfortunately happens, um, and I see it a lot, and um, that's why that's one of the reasons that surgeons want the letter if you can produce one, and by getting a sketchy therapist and just basically writing your own letter and having the ther the therapist just sign off on it, which is First of all, very, very unethical. Of I don't know how this is acceptable. 
you know, that's going to get, you know, but it does, it does make the, the surgeon happy because in theory, now it's the psychologist's problem. Right. But this is something that I've seen countless times going both ways, mostly from people who don't take their therapy seriously. There is a reason to screen. There's a, you know, there are people that, that, um, that find they don't need that much therapy. When I socially transitioned, you know, I started part-time, went full-time, um, so I was part-time for about five years, then went full-time for six months before I started uh, therapy, which I had to pay my therapist $135 in cash. This was 10 years, oh, this was 10 years ago or so, almost 10 years ago, and basically every time I could afford it, I'd pay her the thing. And, you know, we had to go through all the stuff. She actually was very thorough, despite the fact that, you know, you didn't necessarily have to do all three months. If you were good and you knew what was going, you know, she'd sign the letter early, but she, but she was going to be a gatekeeper. Which is three, what, three, I mean, to me, and to me, a psychologist and a psychotherapist, as well as a sex coach for 30 years, the idea that three months is acceptable is just frightening, right? Well, it's usually three months to get on horm to to do hormones. I know, I know, and, and, and I understand. I understand that some of this comes from the changes in how we see therapy, but just it just like when you say like three months, it's like oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. That, well, and that's supposed to be weekly therapy. A lot of therapists are just saying, oh, just shop, let's show up once in a blue moon, or have one at one time and then one three months later. Oh, you've done three months of therapy. No, you've done two sessions of therapy. That's roughly two weeks of therapy. Wow. You know, and if you don't already have that, you know, I, I, you know, three months is fine if you have already put in all the effort to to learn how to socialize. Just just coming in off, off the, you know, just you know, basically saying okay, out of the car, going, hey, I'm gonna do this, and that's how you wake up that morning, and doing your three months of therapy and going on hormones. That's not a good move for a lot of people. Um, and then it's a, about basically 12 months to do surgery, and there's a lot of places that won't that 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 won't even actually say you have to do the full year. How is this safe? Yeah, you know, people are. People, this is a question. This is something that um, I want to continue with when we talk next time. At the moment, what I want to do is find let people know how they can find you. Okay, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. My website is www.afterhourshypnotherapy.com. I do do a lot of LGBT-related um, hypnosis, especially st uh, stress and anxiety that relates to that that thing. Uh, you can con you can use the form on the website to contact me. My uh, email: afterhourshypnotherapy@gmail.com. Uh, you can also c call the. There's a number on the website. That's just going to go to my secretary, who is actually bisexual, um, and so, so she's uh, she's also in the community, and she's had her own grief. She's ha she has had grief, not nearly as much as mine, apparently. But um, you can do make an appointment, get a free consult if you'd like. But I, you know, so and, you can uh, also and so. that will all be on the website when I um, put the podcast up within the notes. So there will be a link to your website so they can go straight to it. That's awesome. So we're going to continue this discussion next week. Thank you so much for being here.
Thanks for joining me for Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Do write to me with suggestions for the show. Any questions you want answered at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm just Dr. Bisbee. Facebook, it's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. You can check out my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to www.the-intimacy-coach.com and click the button that says Schedule Now. I do look forward to seeing you next week for part two of this series, and I thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.